her husband, Deputy Sheriff Daryl Wayne Shuey, died of a line-of-duty heart attack. And she's here to tell her story and how her fight with the state of Washington still continues. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. In the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, we are joined by special guests talking about their experiences, their realities of investigating crimes, plus those who have experienced horrendous trauma, police, first responders, military, and victims of crime share their stories. Hi, I'm John J. Wiley. In addition to being a broadcaster, I'm also a retired police sergeant. Be sure to check out our website, letradio.com and also like us on Facebook. Search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Remember when news was free? Be sure to check out the Newsbreak app. It's free and be sure to follow the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and podcast on the Newsbreak app. Newsbreak is your number one local news app for current events, free live news for you and your community. Download the Newsbreak app today for free and be sure to follow the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and podcast on the Newsbreak app. That's the free Newsbreak app. Be sure to look for and follow the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and podcast. Contact us from Washington State. We have Karen Shuey on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Karen's husband, Deputy Sheriff Daryl Wayne Shuey of the Pierce County Sheriff's Department of Washington State, died heart attack in the line of duty, which she'll talk about in a few moments. That was on November 10th, 2020. And that information is concerned on, online at odmp.org. That's Officer Down Memorial Page Karen, thanks for agreeing to tell your story on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Very much appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. It's a difficult conversation. I want people to understand this right away. I don't know how to have great conversations about this. So if it appears that I'm stumbling through things, that's the reason why. And Karen is very gracious talking about this. It's a difficult thing to talk about. And this is one of these conversations. It's just not... Uh, they, something you would have over tea and crumpets, if you know what I mean. Yes. How long were you and Daryl married? 15 years. All right. So you weren't uh, newlyweds, and, and he was not new at policing. He'd been at it for quite a while, hadn't he? Yes. He had 27 years on in his department when he passed. So you met him after he'd been on the job for a while? Yes, I met him in 2005. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, and we married in 2006. So I want to go back to the date. Uh, it was November 10th, 2020. And by the way, uh, before the interview started, I told Karen that that's my birthday. Uh, it's also the birthday of the United States Marine Corps. Of course, I was born not in 2020. I was born in 1958, a lot, a lot earlier than that. Let's take us back to that day. Starting from, was anything as a normal for you? Well, it was very early in the morning and my son was downstairs in the living room and he was playing his video games. He was um, just turned 10 and I was upstairs in my bedroom and usually I get up in the morning and I make my husband lunch and uh, breakfast and then he leaves at usually 5 a.m. and most mornings I stay up and just tend to the house and get my kids ready for school. But for whatever reason that day, I went back upstairs and laid back down in my bed. And so I was sleeping and my son opens the door and he said, mom, there are two cops at the door. And so I sat up and I thought my first thought was, oh, 
Daryl must have forgot his radio again. I wasn't aware of the time. He had already been at work. Um, not for very long because this was very early in the morning. But so I sat up, I got dressed, and as I was putting my shoes on, I started to panic because I knew at that moment, I just knew. So I started yeah. screaming. I ran downstairs. My son was panicking, but he didn't. He didn't know why. I just knew I was a wreck. And I opened the door, and I saw our chief of staff standing there, and I saw the sheriff standing there. And I just looked at him, and I I was panicking, and he said, Karen, I want to take you to the hospital. Daryl's had a medical emergency. And I remember saying, what kind of medical emergency? And keep in mind that I'm on my front porch, my door is shut, my son is in the living room. And he says, um, he goes, we're not sure, but I want to take you to the hospital. So please get your stuff and let's go. And I said, well, I need to talk to him. And I remember searching in my front yard for my phone when I knew my phone was upstairs in my room. But I was kind of out of my sorts right then because I knew something was wrong. And so I just kept asking him, is he okay? Is he okay? Is he okay? And then the sheriff said, Ma'am, your husband is deceased. And then my son started screaming from behind the door because he heard the sheriff tell me that his dad had died. It was horrible. And it's like a punch in the gut, you just telling the story. Uh, first of all, my, <laughs> my first wife knew automatically. We had that conversation. If, if two police show up my, at your door, at our door, and I'm not one of them, it's not good. Yeah, and I don't think but we even had to have that conversation. My first <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think we had to have that conversation, Karen, because she automatically knew she was an emergency room nurse. She knew. Yeah, I knew too. And you knew as soon I as knew. It, it only took a couple moments to register. Once you got beyond, maybe he left his radio, and you saw what time it was. How long had he been gone to work? So he left at five and this was, I think about 745 or something. They came and got me, um, but he was, he died at 718. That, that's what time they called his death, but he actually died earlier, but they transported him to a hospital. And so the hospital called his time of death at 718. So the sheriff and the chief of staff was already en route to get me when they were working on him. He he was dead. Yeah, I I I, I did death notifications never for police, thank goodness. Uh, but it's horrible, and I feel badly for the sheriff and, and the chief of staff. Uh, there there's no there's no rule book on how you do this. So you just do the best you can, and I, I can't think of anybody who wants to be in a situation or position. Yeah, it was it was rough. And uh, the other thing is, and I, I'm I'm trying to say this in a way that people can understand. There's no way of predicting the range of emotions that the the loved one will have when you tell them the bad news. And sometimes the only way we could do it was just to be very upfront. So and so passed away, and and not to give a lot of details, even if we knew them. That's exactly what happened. 
And he it, was just trying to tell me to get in the car. And then I kept saying, I need to talk to him. Is he okay? Is he okay? Is he okay? And finally, the sheriff just said it. Wow. And of course, then you had to drive and to the hospital. Then my, right? Yep. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. It was yeah. like somebody turned turned out a light. <laughs> and, and by the way, how old was, was Daryl when he passed away? He was 57. 57. That's incredibly young. And no one thinks that's going to happen. Yes. Uh, I don't even think, I'm, I'm 65 now. No. And I don't think that that's going to happen to me. Uh, but the reality is the older you get, the, the, the greater your chances. 57, that should never happen. Yeah. But unfortunately it does. And by the way, one of the biggest killer of our police across the United States, when I say police, that means deputy sheriffs, agents, constables, troopers, is heart disease. Uh, and... Yes. I, I remember being a, a, a recruit in the academy, and this is a long time ago, Karen, and they said the average life expectancy for Baltimore police then was 52. Uh, the average life expectancy for American police nowadays is 58. The average life expectancy for American men is 78. When we return, we're going to talk more about Karen's experience that day. The funeral, the notifications, all that, and then her battles that continue with the state of Washington. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Remember when news was free? Be sure to check out the Newsbreak app. It's free. And be sure to follow the Law Enforcement Talk radio show and podcast on the Newsbreak app. Newsbreak is your number one local news app for current events, free live news for you and your community. Download the Newsbreak app today for free and be sure to follow the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast on the Newsbreak app. That's the free Newsbreak app. Be sure to look for and follow the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast. Turn our conversation with Karen Shuey on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Karen's husband, Deputy Sheriff Daryl Wayne Shuey, the Pierce County Sheriff's Department, Washington State, passed away in the line of duty from a heart attack while working November 10th, 2020. Before we went to break, Karen, you're talking about the sheriff and the chief of staff notifying you the door and, and you wanted to talk to your husband. He had already passed away. He, he was gone at that point and they were trying to get you in the car yes. and head to the hospital, I assume. Yes. So my son and I... Um, we just got his coat and his shoes and he wasn't dressed since it was so early in the morning. We got him dressed and the chief of staff, his name was Mike Blair. We rode in the car with him and the sheriff um, escorted us. So we didn't have to stop at any lights or anything. And the sheriff um, drove us to the hospital. And as we got closer to the hospital, we lived about 40 minutes or so from where he was at. Um, there was police cars and fire trucks lining up everywhere. It was just a swarm of police as we got closer and closer and closer. And when we got into the hospital, I remember them bringing me through kind of a side entrance. And there was police everywhere. And they they brought me in. They had called my, I had called my dad when the sheriff told me. And then I couldn't talk, and so the sheriff finished my call, and my parents met us at the hospital. And then we could see Daryl and 
um, my son could see his dad. My heart breaks for you and your son uh, and the whole family and everybody that worked with with Daryl. You're painting a very vivid picture of what happened, and to be honest, it's very very emotional. Part of the thing is, Karen, my wife, I call her the boss. Her name is Stephanie. This is my second marriage, and we've been married now 20, 23 years and been together 25. And we look forward to spending you know, our, our ripe old senior age together, and we don't think that things like this are going to happen. I'm sure this was not on your radar at all. Not at all. Most police spouses I know, they they, they worry about acts of violence, they worry about car accidents, they worry about those other things. They they don't worry about a medical emergency, a heart attack. It it was crazy. Ball out of left field. (laughs) I'm sure. Did did they tell you what happened? Yes, he was, um, the night before, on Monday, November 9th, 2020, he was... Uh, he recovered a stolen car and the owner of the car said that there were firearms in the debris that was left in the car. And so Daryl was emptying the car and it was like, he's the report said it was like household uh, debris. Like if you were getting evicted and you would just stuff your car with whatever you could take. So there was garbage bags of grocery, uh, garbage bags of clothing. There was a garbage bag of full soda cans um, and full water bottles. There was computers, a small furniture item, um, household things, just, it was stuffed full. So he emptied that car out to get to the bottom where he thought he could see a firearm and it turned out it was a modified airsoft gun. So it, it was just all garbage. But he put all that debris into his own personal vehicle so it would be safe for the owner to recover their car, take their car back. And the next morning, he was he went into the precinct. He left a little bit early, and he went to the precinct to dump the stuff that was in his car into the dumpsters before he started his shift. And he was hauling this debris back and forth from his patrol car to the dumpsters. And he collapsed on the ground outside of his patrol car when it was running. It was pitch dark in the morning. And a garbage man that did that area came up on him and saw him on the ground. And so he put his big floodlights on him and called 911 and said, you have an officer down and the response was incredible from then. You have no idea how long and he was this, on the ground? I think the timestamp said like 6.02 or 6.04 or something like that. Is They actually got it on videotape from a pizza in an adjacent parking lot. The surveillance video. So they they could watch it. And uh, I, I exactly ask this, what he was have doing. You, have you seen those videos or no? Or you choose not to watch them? Yes. You have seen yes. them? Yes. See, I've gotten to a point, Karen, where I don't watch any videos, dash cam videos, body cam videos, uh, police officers being hurt, because it, it, it messes me up too much. And I can imagine 
th- this is your husband, your loved one, your son's father, and you watching that, it had to be a pretty helpless feeling. Oh, it was it was mortifying. It was very, very dark. Um, you could see like a shadow walking back and forth, but he had his flashlight. So I followed the light and then you can see the light just hit the ground and then you see the shadow fall behind it. Oh, I, to so, be totally honest with you, I, 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 have, I have no idea what to say. And um, this, this whole thing just tears me up. Uh, I, I want to move along to, you know, we all watch these Hollywood produced movies about the funeral. I'm sure that was a big deal for you, your family, and for Daryl as well. Actually, that's a pretty sore subject because it was COVID and it was in the middle of the shutdowns and our governor, Jay Inslee, would not allow a funeral. So you were deprived of so, the, the all the, the police honors at the funeral? Yes. Yes. There was no funeral, no no nothing. The department, and we have a uh, organization here in Washington State called Behind the Badge, and I'll get into them more later. But um, they're the people that donate a lot of money and handle the funeral services for the fallen officers, and they met with us right away to make arrangements, but. Inslee wouldn't let it happen. And so the department told me I had to wait until the restrictions lifted. And then we could have the funeral because at that time they only allowed 30 people at a funeral because of COVID. And so as as the restrictions started lifting, I started hearing rumblings like, well, this isn't really a line of duty death. It's more of an on-duty death. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what does that even mean? And then they told me, basically, have the funeral yourself. And they they did not give Daryl a funeral. I have fought for three years. Finally. On November 16th of 2023, he had a funeral from the police department. We'll return to our conversation with Karen Shuey. We're going to go into that uh, and this more more heartbreaking stuff you don't want to miss. This is Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and be sure to click like. Return conversation on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show with Karen Shuey, her husband, Deputy Sheriff Daryl Wayne Shuey of the Pierce County Sheriff's Department in Washington State, died of a line of duty while working heart attack. November 10th, 2020. It's listed in Officer Down Memorial page. That's odmp.org. And uh, she's here telling her story. Before we went to break, Karen, you talked about this all during the height of COVID and they wouldn't allow the Department of Funeral. And then you finally had a Department of Funeral uh, almost three years later? Yes, on November 16th, just a few weeks ago. I, 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 look, 
these things are extremely upsetting anytime. And we really want to honor our, our fallen. And we want, to, what's Joel saying? We don't want them to ever be forgotten. And unfortunately, sometimes they are. But I don't know how you do that three years later. Oh, it was, it was, I fought for that for him and for my children and for our healing and closure because we, we didn't have anywhere to go. I mean, he's never been buried. He's cremated and I have the ashes, but there isn't a place for us to go if we want to visit him or, you know, we we can't go to our state wall because they refuse to engrave his name on it. So for this year, for his third year death anniversary, we took three red roses and laid it on the storm drain in the parking lot where they found him. What does the, the current sheriff have to say about that? The current sh- sheriff is on my side. His name is Ed Troyer, and he he believes that Daryl should be on the state wall. He has been fighting for that, but he it didn't happen right away. He was taking office about five days after Daryl died. He started. So when Daryl passed, there was an interim sheriff. His name was Brent Baumkamp, and he, he is now the undersheriff, and Ed Troyer is our sheriff. It took me two years of begging and begging and begging for my sheriff to turn in the application to national to put him on that wall and also to the state of Washington to have him on that wall, and he they wouldn't do it. We had a chief who was against it, who didn't think it should be a line of duty. Well, I hate to say this, chief. He, if you're listening, chief, if you're listening, it's not your call. Uh, I'll, I'll exactly. say it again. It's not. It's not their call. It's a spouse. It's a family member's call. If it's line of duty, it's line of duty. End of story. Exactly. But he wouldn't turn in the application, and so finally, two years later, I convince our sheriff to please just turn the paperwork in and let them decide because it isn't up to you guys it's up to them you just do your part turn in the facts of what happened it's all on videotape there's no questions just turn it in and let them decide and he was approved 12 days later for national so by the NLEO is, his name, is his name on the national law enforcement memorial wall Yes, in okay. Washington, D.C. And yes. now, and I'll tell you a story about going to visit that for the first time. How about the state of Washington? Because you guys have a monument as well, don't you? N- no, they refuse. The state of Washington refuses, but he's on the national wall. Yes. I don't even want to get into the reason, their reason, their justification, why they think that's okay to do that. I, look, you, they just you, said it wasn't strenuous enough. Well, who's the judge of that? What he was doing. Who's the judge That's of that? That's what I said. I go, well, it killed him. <laughs> it killed him. His autopsy showed that he had a massive, what they call a widowmaker's heart attack, which means prior to that happening, he had very little blood flow in his heart. Right. And you cannot, you don't have strength when you don't have blood flow to your heart. No, Any it little cuts the oxygen tiny supply movement would be strenuous. I've had a couple of friends yeah. who survived those Widowmakers because they they there's no symptoms beforehand, 
and they they went for whatever reason and got caught in time. And a lot of other people, a lot more people that didn't make it. Yeah, they're really not survivable once they hit. No, and and look, the doctor told me even if if he was in the hospital and had it there, they couldn't have saved him. Well, with police, and when I say police, again, uh, that's male, female, sheriffs, deputies, agents, troopers, constables, whatever term you want to use in your jurisdiction. Heart disease is a big, big killer of police. And um, part of the problem is, and I'm not a doctor, I don't play one on television, I don't, not, I don't claim to be an expert. It's they, the constant up and down of adrenaline rushes is one thing. You, you go through 90% of your day is sheer boredom. Then you have five to 8% is just out of control, full on adrenaline dumps, eating bad, sleeping bad, working shift work, not being in routine, uh, and all that takes its toll. Uh, so I'm sure that that we could look back with the benefit of, of hindsight and say, well, if he'd done this, this, and this, he'd still be alive today. I just am sad that he continued in police work because when, once the chop zone and the you know defund the police all was going crazy, he was eligible to retire, but he wouldn't. And it just... All these years of the constant grind, the constant reaction to the 911 call for help just wore his heart out. Yeah, it does. I it, wish it he really would have just retired. I've had a conversation with so many people I worked with, Karen, that, that some of them, I, I yelled at them and said, you've got 30 years on the job. What, all you can do now is wind up losing part of your pension in a suit that you didn't even bring about. Uh, not even talking about the health aspects, just the, the, the financial aspects. And people don't understand that. That uh, yeah. he can get jacked up based off someone else's actions. And I'm sure, oh, you, totally. guys, I'm sure you guys had that conversation, especially with the, the attitudes that are going on still even to this day about defund the police. And um, oh, I get comments on our Facebook page, uh, Law Enforcement Talk Radio Facebook page all the time, ACAB and whatever. And like, dude, here's the funny thing. When, when And I say funny, not as ha-ha funny, but ironic. When an officer is, is killed or maimed or does dies in line of duty, there's, there's crickets from those people. You don't hear nothing. But when a cop helps yep. someone change a tire or puts gasoline in their car, does something like that, all of a sudden, they're all over the place. Like, oh, here's the one thing I love, Karen. It's copaganda. Well, what do you call it when you put yeah. out stuff out there? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I I just don't engage them. I'm sure you've, you've had your, your bout with that, too. You've been fighting, and, and these are his family that you're fighting with. I'm sure you've had to find some ways to... to Pull yourself in and say, how do I have this fight and, and not be totally disagreeable? Exactly. It's And I know it's put stress on my relationship with the department um, because they have been fantastic to my family initially when everything happened. But this this fight for the wall has been horrible. And I know that they're tired of hearing me, but I can't give up on him. No. You and your family deserve that, and it's it's an honor thing. It's really a respect thing. That's that's. I think it is, and I can't speak for you, but he he gave his life for that agency. He gave his life for that community. The least they could do is have some respect and and honor him that way. Yes. Is that what it's about for you? It is. It's it's 
I want to be able to take my kids to the wall and I want them to know that their dad's life meant something, you know, honor the sacrifice that he made. If you want to be a guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, simply contact us. It couldn't be easier. You can send us a message on Facebook. Look for and like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show page or email j at letradio.com. That's J-A-Y at letradio.com. We're going to take a short break and return our conversation with Karen Shuey in just a few moments. This is Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If you want to be a guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, simply contact us. It couldn't be easier. You can send us a message on Facebook. Look for and like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show page or email j at letradio.com. That's j-a-y at letradio.com. Return conversation with Karen Shuey, her husband, Deputy Sheriff Daryl Wayne Shuey of the Pierce County Sheriff's Department, Washington, D.C., died in a line of duty, I'm repeating that, I'm air quoting, from a heart attack while working, while working on stolen car stuff. And uh, he died in a way that, that, well, we'll let Karen talk about. Now, one of the things that Karen mentioned is she has a son and you also have a daughter as well, don't you? I do. My daughter at the time was 13, but she had had some struggles uh, and sadly, and she had spent a couple weeks in the hospital here in our local state, but she wasn't getting better. So they moved her to Southern California for an inpatient residential center that helped with at-risk youth and behaviors like eating disorders and they also handled things like um, drug abuse and just a lot of different at-risk youth things. And my daughter was in that facility when, when my husband died and it was COVID and they wouldn't let me come down and tell her. And I had to tell her that her dad died over a call. It was horrible. I, I don't and then, I, I don't know this can be any more tragic I the, the entire story is horrible the fact that and look it's not lost on me that that people lost loved ones in nursing homes during COVID and they weren't allowed to visit there are people in hospitals so they couldn't visit they couldn't spend time with them the thought that that someone would die that way by themselves bothers me tremendously but the fact that you couldn't even tell your daughter but she had to do a phone that that her father had passed. It, it's mind blowing. Yeah, it was horrible. And then she wasn't done with her program. It she should have been there a few months, but they called me about a week later and said you need to come get your daughter because she's crumbling. So I flew to Los Angeles on her birthday, November nineteenth of twenty twenty, and I brought her home. By the way, November 19th is my wife's birthday. Uh, lots of How irony ironic here. is that? Uh, so, so much irony. And the, the more you tell your story, Karen, the, the, the deeper I fall into this. Uh, please tell me that, that your son and your daughter, in spite of all this happened, they're doing okay? They're doing okay. Okay. When I say okay, 
my daughters, and I was not a big believer in generational trauma and all that stuff uh, until uh, my daughters, they're in their 30s now, and they still feel the effects of what I went through in late 80s, early 90s when they were kids and how it impacted me for the first few years of, uh, of their life after I, ret- I retired. So when I say they're kind of okay, we want people to be successful, but they don't, th- that stuff doesn't go away. No, it doesn't. And, and here's the last thing I'll say before we shift gears. My father passed away from cancer probably 30 some odd years ago. And there's an old saying that time heals all wounds. I don't believe that's true. Uh, I just I just get more used to it. It doesn't get easier to deal with. No, it's a hole that doesn't go away. And you don't even have the ability to go visit a memorial in your state that, that represents and has your husband's name on it. No, in my state, yes. We have a Eastern Washington Monument which is in Spokane, Washington. And my husband is engraved on that wall. It's about a five hour drive from my house. And then we have a Western Washington wall, which is the one that's on our state capitol grounds. And that's the one they refused to put him on. And that's about 30 minutes from my house. Well, for those listening to the show, you can write to the state of Washington and ask yes, the deputy Cheryl, sheriff Daryl Wayne Shuey's name be added to the state wall. He died in the line of duty. Yes. It's the right thing to do. Uh, it's the right thing to do for you, for your daughter, and your son. I, I can't think of another way to say it. It's the right thing to do, so do it. Take It should have been done years ago. Yes. And it's okay. Well, this is something else that gets my goat all the time. I hear constant cries for justice when they believe police did something wrong. When it's the other way around, it's crickets again. So this is a call for justice. For the, the Shuey family, put Deputy Sheriff Daryl Wayne Shuey name on the wall in Washington State. That's all we're asking. Is there anything else you're asking? Is everything else been taken care of? Yes, I, I have received every dollar allotted to a widow in a line of duty death, both from the state of Washington and also the federal government. Well, I'm glad to hear that part. This T, if it wasn't line of duty, they wouldn't do that. Right. He he was approved as a line of duty death by the U.S. Department of Justice um, through PSOB. And his, and his name wouldn't be on Officer Down Memorial page if it wasn't line of duty. Right. They're a top-notch organization. And there's a couple other organizations that have been in your corner working for you. One is one of my favorites, Concerns of Police Survivors, the, the, the National and also the Washington State. You can go to their website, concernsofpolicesurvivors.org. Yes. They're phenomenal people. How, how have they been helping you? So Diane Bernhard is the president. She's the she's, she's the best. She's the best, by the way. I've had her show a long time ago. She is. She is. Once my husband was recognized on the national wall, cops swooped in and they started um, inviting us to different retreats and programs and all these things. And so they had us go to a retreat in St. Louis. Um at the Trout Lodge, and at that retreat, I had opted to have a session with one of their counselors there, and the counselor heard my story and went to Diane with it. And so during the retreat, Diane pulled me aside and said, I'd like to hear more about what's going on with you in the state of Washington and the wall. And so I talked to her for about two hours during that retreat, and 
that retreat changed my life. Diane Bernhard reached out to Pat Yoz, who is the national president of the Fraternal Order of Police. And they put me in contact with Jim Shrimpshire and Marco, president on the state level. And also Jack Simington, which is the trustee for the FOP for Washington State. And my life changed forever at oh, that moment. I'm glad because to Because the that. FOP and cops picked me up and said, we're going to get this done. And they have been gaining momentum by getting support of all these different police organizations to put pressure on behind the badge foundation to do the right thing. And it shouldn't have to be pressure applied. Here's the reality. When we are horrified, when our officers die in an act of violence, uh, we are not as horrified when they are maimed and and physically disabled. That's a conversation for a different day. But one of the things that we don't talk yeah. about very often is we don't talk about automobile accidents, which kill a lot of police and and, and yep. the, the, the maim a lot of police. We don't talk about heart disease and how many officers are killed from that. And we certainly don't talk about suicides. Uh, those things, those those last yep. two, they want to brush under the rug. Yep. And the, the one know, thing we can do is just say, put his name on the wall. That's all you got to do. It's not your dime. It's not your call. That's right. It's very frustrating to me because the Hometown Heroes Act is a law that creates a presumption that if an officer dies of a heart attack under certain circumstances, it is considered a line of duty death. Right. That is what the Hometown Heroes Act is. In Washington State, there are five officers. We have 330 duty deaths as of today, I'm pretty sure. And... Five of them are heart attacks. Five of those heart attacks qualified for the Hometown Heroes Act. I want to say this, and, and, and rather than and put your information out there, because you've been through enough already, if someone wants to contact Karen and wants to help, just contact me. Just go to letradio.com. That's our website, letradio.com or letradioshow.com. They both go to the same place. Contact us and, and I'll get it and I will forward it to her. Karen, please keep please. me advised. Keep me in the loop. Let me know what's going on. Let me know how we can help. And really, I appreciate you telling your story on the show. Very much appreciate it. Follow the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast on the Newsbreak app. It's free. And get the latest crime and law enforcement news on the Newsbreak app. It's simple easy and free just download the newsbreak app then search for and follow the law enforcement talk radio show and podcast on the newsbreak app i'd like to thank our guests for coming on the law enforcement talk radio show the law enforcement talk radio show is a nationally syndicated weekly radio show broadcast on numerous am and fm radio stations across the country we're always adding more affiliate stations if you enjoyed the podcast version of the show which is always free Please do me a favor and tell a friend or two or three. I'll be back in just a few days with another episode of the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.